Hi, I'm Pastor Adam, and you're listening to the Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story. And we hope this sermon can guide you along that journey. Visit orangemethodist.org to find out more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. First, from Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 through 6, and then we'll be turning over to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. I invite you, if you feel so led, to pull out your own Bible or your mobile device to read along with me. I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. There's also a pew Bible there in front of you. First reading is from Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 through 6. Hear now these words. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will appear over you. Nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look around. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from far away, and your daughters shall be carried on their nurses' arms. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and rejoice, because the abundance of the sea shall be brought to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. A multitude of camels cover you. The young camels of Midian and Ephah, All those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense and shall proclaim the praise of the Lord. And our second reading is from the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Hear now these words. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born, in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, asking, Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising, and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them, where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, and Jew Bethlehem in the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for you shall come from, from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. 
Thanks be to God. Good morning once again. I am Pastor Corey, the Associate Minister here at Orange. We're grateful God has led you to this place today. It feels like I have not seen many of you since last year. And, uh, oh, thanks. Uh, when Adam didn't say it, I had to. Uh, you also, congratulations, have perfect attendance for this year. So really pat yourself on the back. You're doing great. Uh, but this morning, we are focusing our attention on the story of Epiphany, the three wise men, the Magi. And now these characters have been made famous in every children's Christmas pageant you have ever encountered. Songs have been written about them. We just heard one. We're going to sing that one at the end of the service. We know it. We three kings of Orion are. And our imagination, as followers of Jesus, about these strangers who followed a star in order to pay homage to the one who is king of the Jews, has taken us a lot of places. We actually don't have an incredible amount of information about who these magi are. They only appear in Matthew's gospel. But tradition and years of interpretation have led us to assume that there were three because they brought three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The gifts were brought to King Jesus for the following reasons. Gold symbolizes earthly power, royalty, kingship. Frankincense is an incense. You can actually go on Amazon and buy it today for your essential oil machine. But back in the ancient world, it was very expensive. And it was used primarily in ceremonial worship of a deity. And so it testifies as a gift to Jesus as God, as divine. And myrrh. Myrrh foreshadowed Jesus' death, as myrrh is a key ingredient in the mixture used to prepare Jesus' body for burial. Scripture tells us that these three kings, these three wise men, these three magi brought these gifts. And tradition has given them names. Do you know them? <laughs> Casper, Melchior, and probably most famously, Balthazar. Now, you may have never heard those names until today, but we have a friend who's from Argentina who was shocked to find out that we didn't know the names of the three kings, Caspar, Melchior, and Balthazar, by heart. And she was like, you know the reindeer's names, but you don't know the king's name. She was very, very confused because in many Spanish-speaking countries, the festival of Epiphany is the grand finale of the Christmas season, and it has its own festivals, its own parades, and most importantly, presents. The tradition is that children write letters to the wise men, the gift bringers, and then they leave their shoes beside the Christmas tree, and they fill them with grass, and they lay out water for the camels that the wise men rode on. And they go to sleep, and the next morning, the grass and the water has been exchanged for three gifts, three, three treats. Now, what's really interesting is that we were familiarized with this tradition through our dear Argentinian friends just this year, and my son Ephraim is in Spanish immersion kindergarten. And so wouldn't you know, this past Thursday, I get a note sent home asking us to send him to school on Friday with an extra shoe so that he could lay it out, fill it with grass, and receive a present in exchange after they went to lunch. So 
I think this is was so exciting because it's such a cultural celebration in so many Spanish-speaking countries. So next year, we may have to start participating in this tradition ourselves, this incredible tradition of welcoming the Magi to Bethlehem. It extends our contemplation and our reflection of the birth of Jesus well beyond December 25th. Because Jesus' birth, his entrance into the world to become Emmanuel, God with us, it deserves our contemplation and our attention. We celebrate his arrival, praising God that light has come, that the darkness will not overcome it. Jesus has seen the desperation of our circumstance and has said, I will not leave you to face this world alone. I'm coming. I am here. But Jesus' arrival is not where the Christmas story ends. And the story of the three wise men teaches us how the story must continue. How the rest of the story must unfold. We cannot stop at Jesus' birth. We, like the Magi, respond to it. And our lack of response is a response in itself. But as we see in this story, as the Magi go to Jerusalem, where the temple is, where King Herod a horrendously violent and tyrannical leader who murdered his own sons and wife because they posed a threat to his authority. The wise men go to him and they ask, where is the child who's been born king of the Jews? Now Herod thinks he is the king of the Jews. And I say, for we observed that his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. These men have come from the east, most likely modern-day Iran, and they are star readers. We think they were Zoroastrians, which is one of the Earth's, or the world's most uh, ancient religions, and it believes in the ultimate triumph of good over evil. And this moment in the Gospel of Matthew is so important because it opens the story of God's salvation to these foreigners to these strangers, to these non-Jews, that Jesus is not just king of the Jews, but king of kings. So these strangers, they come to pay homage, to offer gifts, and to witness to the birth of one who is king. They've seen the signs, and they have responded by believing that this one who's been born is set apart they're so convinced that they travel this great distance in search of him, bearing gifts that testify to his identity. They've seen the signs, the star in the sky, and they're convinced of Jesus' kingship. So they go, they seek him, they pursue him, they ask others to point them in the right direction. They must see him for themselves. Others had seen the signs. Others knew the prophecy foretold that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Those here had gathered after the wise men approached him. They said, there's one to be born in Bethlehem. But Herod and the others do not go. They do not pursue the Christ child. Herod says, go and come back. But he does not go himself. They see the signs, but they do not follow them. Their response could be seen as a rejection of who Jesus is. 
The response could be viewed as apathy or disregard or even unbelief. Not all who see the signs will follow them toward an encounter with Jesus. Not all those who see signs will follow them toward an encounter with Jesus. And I hope and pray you don't hear that as a condemnation or judgment of those who have yet to see the signs or even follow the signs towards that encounter. I share this because I think it's very, very easy to numb ourselves to the signs, to disregard the signs, to think the signs are for other people, to avoid the signs that are pointing us toward Jesus. Because when you encounter Jesus, you cannot leave unchanged. When you truly encounter and spend time in Jesus' presence, you cannot leave unchanged. And these three wise men testify to this truth. They leave transformed, so convinced, so sure that this baby is exactly who they believed him to be. That they defy the empire's instructions. They're to report back to Herod, but they defy this evil tyrant, and that's no small act. It's punishable by death. But they do it to protect this child, to ensure that he can be the salvation for all the world. They completely change their trajectory. They choose a different path home. Their path, their journey is forever altered. These men could have stayed home. They didn't have to follow the star all the way to the little town of Bethlehem. They weren't even Jewish. But they were open to seeing the signs. They were open to bearing witness to the light of the world. They were open to being led by the star, by the Spirit's instruction. And that willingness led them to Jesus. Again, these men could have stayed home in the comfort of their own land, their own traditions, their own families, their own responsibilities, but they chose to travel, to explore, to journey, to follow, to seek, to respond, and ultimately to be transformed. And we who've gathered here this morning, we could have chosen to stay at home. We could close our eyes to the signs that are leading us toward an encounter with Jesus. We may have tried to defer our gaze, to avoid the encounter. And I think the pandemic made it easier and easier for us to close our eyes to the signs. For better and for worse, we insulated ourselves and we limited the ways we encountered the whole world. And coming out of it, we haven't quite figured out how to journey again. More and more, we stay home literally and figuratively in the comfort of the little world we've created, but sometimes at the expense of the journey. The journey to encounter the one who has been born to be our light and our shepherd in our way when there is no way. If we cannot travel the way, we risk missing an encounter with the light of the world, the one who promises healing and wholeness in place of pain and brokenness If we cannot travel the way, we miss an encounter with a good shepherd who knows our names and protects us and leads us. If we cannot travel the way, we risk missing an encounter with the one who says, you are my beloved. You belong to me and you belong to each other. 
If we cannot travel the way, we risk missing an encounter with the one who says, I have come to bring you abundant life. We have to open ourselves to respond to Christmas, to travel the way so that we might encounter the one who is born King of Kings. I'll close with this. My mom is a collector of precious moments figurines. I don't know if any of you are. But she always says my whole life had them displayed in the most beautiful glass case. And precious moments released based upon their little figurines, an animated short called Timmy's Gift. It was released in 1991. It's about 23 minutes long. And I will tell you, I think about this 20-minute video more often than I think about most books I read in seminary. <laughs> the story follows a tiny angel named Timmy who doesn't yet have his wings. And God charges him with a task that, if completed, will earn him his wings. He must deliver a crown to the baby that is to be born in Bethlehem, king of kings. Now, Timmy doesn't have wings, so he has to walk the journey. And he follows the star to Bethlehem, and he has this crown that's about half the size he is. And his one most prized possession, his blankie. And so he sets out, scared but determined, and as he travels, he encounters various characters who ask him about his journey and are mesmerized by this baby he describes. And of course, he encounters foes, challenges, a, a blizzard, very accurate for the Middle East, and, and dangers along the way. And as he realizes he's just so close to Bethlehem, he can see the star. He has to cross some water. And as he begins this last leg of the mission, the journey, the one to get his wings, he sees a tiny wolf in trouble slipping into the water, and at the last second he has to decide whether or not to save the small wolf and let go of the crown, or cling to the crown and let the baby wolf go. And so, of course, he releases the crown, and as quickly as he lets it go, it falls over a waterfall never to be seen again. He rescues his friend, and he's overwhelmed by the loss of the crown, knowing he hasn't upheld his end of the mission, but he still goes to the place where the star has stopped. And he encounters, as you can imagine, the nativity, where all the typical animals we can imagine are there. And slowly, all those who've been part of Timmy's mission and his journey begin to appear as well, even the tiny wolf enters the nativity. Timmy's devastated to have lost the gift he was to bear. He stands there sullen with his only comfort in the world, his blanket. And as he bears witness to this light, this king, he realizes this one he has followed the star to encounter. Jesus doesn't have a blanket of his own. And so he nervously hands Mary his most sacred possession, the only gift he has to offer, and she receives it as if it were a crown. 
I'm telling you, I think about this 20-minute precious moment short more often than I think about most books I read in seminary. We all have the opportunity to journey toward the star as the Magi did, as Timmy did, to see the signs and to pursue an encounter with the one who is King of Kings, Emmanuel, God with us. We all have the opportunity to bear witness to the signs as we travel and to allow our path to be transformed when we meet him face to face. And we all have gifts to offer to Jesus. Maybe yours isn't gold or frankincense or myrrh or even your blanket, but you have one. We have something sacred that God is calling us to offer the Prince of Peace. Timmy did get his wings. Meeting Jesus changed him. It gave him a new purpose and a new identity. The wise men were changed when they met Jesus. They couldn't travel the same way they planned to. They chose to defy the empire. If we journey toward the signs, if we allow them to lead us, those things that point us toward Jesus' presence, we will be transformed. We will find belonging like we have never known. We will discover healing and peace that we could never have imagined. And we will find purpose in offering our gifts to the one who gave them to us. We will travel a new way. So may this epiphany call you to linger at the nativity just a little longer. May this epiphany remind you that Christmas doesn't end with Jesus' arrival, but calls us to respond. May this epiphany, as we are invited to this most sacred table, may this invitation remind us of the opportunity we have to respond, to travel, and to encounter the one who is the light of the world. Let us pray. God of light, shining in the darkness, through a little child born in Bethlehem, you open to us the treasure of your grace. Help us to search diligently for him so that we may offer our lives to you with thanksgiving, with joy, and with praise. Through Jesus Christ, the rising star. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.